Welcome to episode 59 of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We still got Colby on ice, but Matt Sells, after this kind of voluminous trade deadline, even though there was talk it wouldn't be, is going to step in again and pinch hit for him and cover all of the prospects on the move once again. So another prospect heavy one, but we do have a lot of uh, in season and players in the majors that we need to discuss too, as far as fantasy values going up or down based on their new homes and avenues to playing time. So Matt, how are things going for you? Uh, they are good. It was a voluminous trade deadline. Like you said, um, I did not expect it to be that major. I mean, we kind of touched on um, Mike Clevenger being the big name traded on last week's one. Although I, I don't think I called the Padres as the ones to get him. Um, maybe I did. I don't remember. It's, there's a lot going on here. I can't remember from week to week. Um, so yeah, it, there were some teams that I didn't really expect to be movers and shakers. Um, and then there were some that we expected to be movers and shakers and didn't do anything. So Correct. that was kind of interesting. And I saw some tweets that were like, Oh, look at baseball. Uh, you know, Oh, isn't it so bad to see the, the mid market teams owning the, uh, trade deadline you know they were they were poking fun at how normally it's the dodgers and yankees and red sox that are doing all of the buying and none of that happened this trade no, deadline so no and we'll, we'll touch refreshing. upon that a little later yeah it it was very interesting and i was a little surprised the rays did nothing as well but uh, with the amount of injuries they had you know the rays the twins and a couple other teams were counting on getting guys back soon from injury as much as trying to target big names and trades. So um, let's go through it. And you kind of hit it at the first one we were going to talk about. AJ Preller was probably the busiest man. Uh, don't want to see his Verizon bill because I'm sure he was on the <laughs> phone nonstop. Although him and DePoto might have one of those little cups with the string on it. Like they had in grownups talking back and forth with the, uh, the amount of volume that they were doing. So the Padres added Mike Clevenger, Mitch Moreland, Trevor Rosenthal, uh, basically, the whole Seattle bullpen, I said in jest, but they got Taylor Williams, the closer from Seattle, Austin Adams, who's still out with a knee injury, but has high, a high upside arm, uh, Dan Altavia. They also traded for catcher Austin Nola and Jason Castro from the Angels in a separate deal. So they didn't move any of their top prospects, I don't believe. I think the highest ranked one was uh, Arias at seventh, if I'm not mistaken, but you yes. kind of touch on that. But um, so they, they basically kept their prospect pool, uh, added a bunch of key positions that they needed, especially a catcher, uh, jettisoning uh, Hedges, who is a good defensive player but can't hit a lick. Um, so now you've got Nola and Castro as a strong platoon, uh, and and now we've got Clevenger in that rotation. So uh, give me your initial thoughts, and, and then I'll touch on a little point about Clevenger and when it, how it matters on when he starts. So it was interesting to watch the reaction to the Austin Nola um, entire Seattle Mariners bullpen trade um, because that broke on Sunday night. And there were already rumors going that the Padres were involved in Mike Clevenger. So people were like, well, if they gave up that haul to go get Austin Nola, uh, you know, a 30-year-old late-blooming catcher who also, I guess, plays some second base too, um, then what are they going to have to give up to go get Clevenger? And then it turned out that they didn't really give up very much to get Clevenger. Like, mm -hmm. 
They gave up Josh Naylor, who will now be the, the Indians starting left fielder. He also joins his brother in the Cleveland system because Bo Naylor is also in the Cleveland system. Um, Arias is an interesting name for sure. He's a young shortstop. There is some some upside there. He's got a ways to go to develop, and a lot of people believe that he's basically the insurance policy for if they can't re-sign Francisco Lindor uh, in a few years. But other than that, they got some, it's kind of a lot of project-type guys that have some upside, but everything has to go right for them to hit that. Um, Cal Quantrill, at this point, is not really a name to pay attention to. Um, he's just kind of an arm. Austin Hedges would be great if he could figure out how to swing a bat, but that doesn't appear to be happening. Um, but I'm also not shocked to see, um, you know, San Diego go after bullpen help because not only is Yates out, but right. their pen well, is not he's been out, but good. He's a, he's a free agent too at the end of the year. Right. And their their pen has not been good. So I updated. Um, and Rosenthal will be a free agent as well at the end of the season. That is, yeah, that's true. So they got some they got some rental pieces for sure, but it it certainly helps them right now. Uh, in our relief pitcher metric that uh, Greg and I created, I updated that uh, through Friday's numbers through last Friday. So before the trade deadline, and the Padres rank as the twenty sixth ranked bullpen in the majors. At yeah. that point, so they've not Pop been Rands have been the only reliable thing going there before his injury, right? So they got a haul of uh, you know, relievers, which is pretty nice. Clevenger, um, that is a scary my god, there's two years left of arbitration on Mike Clevenger, so now they have Panic and Clevenger and Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino and Nilson Lamette. And they still have Adrian Morahone in their system, and they still have Ryan Weathers coming up. Like that is a ridiculously scary rotation they're building in San Diego. Now, there, there's a key thing that I was I noticed when I was doing the research on Clevenger, and it'll kind of depend. So, if he starts on Thursday, which would be the third, then he'll face the Angels on the road, uh, a home game against Colorado, a home game against the Giants. Uh, at Seattle, and then his last start of the year would be the last game of the season if it stays on track against the Giants. However, if he doesn't start until Friday, that puts him at Oakland, against the Rockies at home, against the Dodgers at Seattle, and then at San Francisco. So um, there, there's kind of a, a little bit of a swing there because you prefer Clevenger to face the first set of teams and not the second one, correct? Correct, especially considering the fact that Giants just hung 23 runs on the Rockies on on Tuesday night, um, <laughs> which wow. accounts for which accounts for basically a sixth of their runs for the entire season. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I look, you know, <laughs> getting, getting a home and away with the Giants is much better than getting a home a home yes. with the Dodgers and then at the Giants. I guess is the the yeah, big, and then sure. also you don't want to the face A's. the Dodgers. You'd rather play the Angels than the A's. Oh, for sure. So, sure. you know, Clevenger's still going to do well out there. I just think whether he starts on Thursday or Friday will have a small impact on his overall value the rest of the way. Yep. 
And that's something we'll touch upon with a couple of hitters as we move down the list here. So, you know, I, I was on Austin Nola before the season. I, I advised Howard to get him in his AL only auction, which he did, which I was pleased about because I was like, you'll be able to add that catcher eligibility. Of course, it doesn't help him now unless he can keep him on the roster. But um, looking at the Indians, so there was a couple of wrinkles here. One, uh, moving Clevenger, they did bring Zach Plezak back, and he turned in another strong outing last night with six strikeouts and six shutout innings in Kansas City. Um, that helped my TGFBI team. Luckily, I was able to get him back in the lineup when the news broke about Clevenger and him reentering the rotation. I immediately went in there and plugged him back into my rotation that desperately needed him. Um, but so, you know, we know where that happened. Josh Naylor, will he be able to hit enough? I, I saw another interesting note on him where uh, his career in Petco, 220, 268, 348 slash, his his numbers away from Petco, 280, 354, 452. Is this like just one of those anomalies or is there a chance he could be a little bit better getting outside of San Diego with that fresh start? I mean, you know, Framiel Reyes has been killing the ball lately, but we figured he would anyways, but... Could Naylor be a surprise? I, I mean, I think he's got a decent enough bat to hit in the majors and hang in there. Um, Petco has been a bugaboo for several hitters uh, previously. I mean, you know, the last several years it's been known as a pitcher's park for good reason because um, it's fairly cavernous there. Um, so maybe changing it up, uh, you know, change of scenery can be beneficial for a lot of guys. Also, there's the fact he joins his brother in the system so maybe mm -hmm. now um you know they're not like i have a, a half a continent away from each other maybe that improves some stuff um but he's probably going to get a pretty long leash there in cleveland because they don't really have anybody else <laughs> to take over for him that outfield has been terrible um so yeah i mean he's he's certainly intriguing for deeper leagues Okay. Makes sense. Now, the, they got Cal Quantrill, who they used in relief, I believe, last night. He worked an inning. Um, they can kind of use him as a swing man anywhere they want. He does help improve their bullpen a little bit. Uh, the prospects in this, uh, Joey Cantillo, I believe he's a big lefty, uh, Gabriel Arias, and Owen Miller. So get, get, the, get the Fancy Alarm family a little insight on those guys. Yeah, so um, Quintillo is a lefty. He's also fairly young. He's still only 20 years old. He was um, drafted in the 16th round in 2017 at a high school. Um, he's not going to overpower people, but that's not usually what we see. You know, we, that's usually what we see out of lefties is they don't really have the velocity. They usually sit in the low 90s, and they kind of change, um, you know, eye level. They change pitches. They change velocity. Um, so he's he, he's basically a fastball curveball guy, uh, mixes in a changeup uh, occasionally, which is by most accounts his best pitch. Um, I think he probably profiles as a number four starter uh, when all is said and done. Um, he's got the size to be an innings eater. He's six four two twenty right now, and he could probably put on a little bit more weight on that frame, given that he's a twenty years old and b. 220 is not terrible for a six foot four guy. Hmm. Um, so he's probably a number four starter. Um, Owen Miller is a middle infielder. So he's played a little bit of short and a little bit of second. Um, he's kind of uh, just a hit guy generally. I mean, he's got an average run tool, but there's going to be very little power that comes with it. His defense needs a lot of work. Um, so he's probably 
gonna be more of a utility guy. Generally speaking, he could play, you know, short. He could play second. You could probably put him in left field occasionally. Um, and defensively, he's probably not going to kill you there, but he's not going to have good enough defense to, to play full time. Um, and he's certainly no better than like a number eight hitter. So, um, you know, not, not huge impactful guys by any stretch of the imagination here. All right. Well, I mean, that, that was kind of the gist, but I, I think Cleveland kind of put themselves in a very tough spot trading him and taking away some of his value when they sent him down to the minors, kind of signaling. That yeah, I mean, they, they everybody gonna, knew that they were going to get rid of him because they were going to have a mutiny on their team if they brought him back up. So they were right. kind of over a barrel there. But they said that about Plezak, too, and then he came out and fired a strong island last day. It's, it's just very strange. We'll see how all of that shakes out. Um, they're, they're cross they also rivals. probably didn't want to pay Clevenger because he's in arbitration. Right. That's the, so. I think that's the biggest ticket with all of this. That's yeah. 100% correct. That That is much more to do with any of this and how they hand, uh, uh, you know, I, I can't believe how this, you know, that they're terrific at, turning around starting pitchers and, and making careers and, and, and making them viable like please act this year with the, the huge strikeout to walk rate and everything else. But um, I don't know. It, it feels like they miss an opportunity with this core. They're like the Jaguars of baseball. They have a bunch of talent. They didn't do anything with it. And they, then they traded it for pieces that aren't really worth very much. Right, they, at, at, they traded at its lowest value. Uh, Cincinnati, they added Archie Bradley to their bullpen looking for a little help, and they got Brian Goodwin to help out in the outfield. Akiyama hasn't been hitting, and, and they need a little bit of defense in the corners there, especially uh, Winker sometimes makes uh, some fly balls into adventures. So <laughs> I don't think those are huge pickups, but that division's still kind of wide open for second place and then the yeah, other playoff and- spots behind it. And here's the interesting part about this for the Reds. Um, Archie Bradley doesn't really have to be their closer. He can be, you know, he can close. Obviously, he did for Diamondbacks, sort of. Um, Brian Goodwin has been a favorite of mine since he was with the Nats. He was originally in the Nats system, uh, and he's traveled around, and he's been, um, I think if I'm not mistaken, he was in Kansas City for a little while. Um, Very briefly, yeah. And then yeah, they kicked him then, in the curb, and the Angels got him for basically nothing. Right, basically nothing. And he's been, he was really good uh, for DFS last year, uh, playing him, I believe, against lefties. Um, so it's an interesting pickup. They didn't really have to give up anything to get either guy. Um, you know, they gave up a couple of prospects. Um, but, you know, Stuart Fairchild going to Arizona, that's not really a big name. He's an okay outfielder, it's more so just a depth move by the Diamondbacks. Um, But this gets interesting for Cincinnati because let's say they make the eighth seed of the the playoffs for the NL. Mm -hmm. The current number one seed is the Dodgers. Right. right? So that means the Dodgers would then have to face off against Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, and Luis Castillo as a top three pitching staff for the Reds. With a so, better bullpen, right? The Reds that are very interesting. interesting. Yeah, if if they, they if they get into the playoffs, watch. Mark my words on this: if the Reds get into the playoffs, they could be this year's Nationals. It's true. I just ride know. starting pitching. Yeah, uh, they'll be. They'll be curious. 
Uh, Oakland, even though they're on ice right now due to the COVID, <laughs> COVID thing, not playing the Mariners. Uh, if, if you're looking for guys to get extra games going forward towards the end of the year, uh, you can target Oakland bats because they're going to be playing four double headers down the stretch here. So you're getting those extra contests. But Mike Miner was added and they uh, picked up Tommy Listella for Franklin Barreto. So, um, you know, we've seen Listella play very well since getting with the Angels last year, hitting for better power. And he has a chance to hit second a lot of time in that lineup, which you know, that's that's going to be an improvement for him overall. Uh, Mike Miner, I, I I muse that if Puck can get back, that might be a perfect tandem thing where Miner starts and then Puck works after him or vice versa. Puck could open and then Miner have it come in behind him, sort of like Robbie Ray did for uh, the, the Blue Jays last night. So was was this like a nice little speculative ad by Oakland not paying a lot to get Miner? Yeah, I think it was, and I think they were really intrigued by his last start with um, Texas because he went, what, six shutout against the Dodgers? Correct. Um, so, apologize for the background noise. My cat jumped from the window down onto my desk. Perfect timing. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was a nice little speculative ad. Uh, they can do, I saw your tweets about pairing him up with A.J. Puck. Um, is kind of a, um, for lack of a better term, a handcuff in baseball. Um and I think that could really work, uh, you know, for him. He doesn't really have to be a guaranteed starter for the A's because they have enough pitching depth that they don't really need to trot out starters for five innings every single game. Right. Um, Lestella is a nice add. I do like that. Gives some uh, versatility there to your infield defense. He's got a nice, uh, you know, he's been playing pretty well there for the uh, Angels. He was really yes. good last year uh, before he got, you know, suspended or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like the, the ad for Mike Miner. Yes. Okay. The blue Jays were kind of active. We all thought the Yankees would be doing anything. It was very quiet. The, the blue Jays sensing a little, uh, blood in the water there, like a shark. They went out and added Robbie Ray and Ross Stripling to their rotation. They needed to fill innings and they also picked up Jonathan VR. Um, I, I liked what Miami did and we'll talk about that in a moment. But as far as this goes for the Blue Jays, they get insurance until Bo Bichette gets back. And then they get a guy with speed upside who can either enter late and steal bases or uh, remain in that lineup wherever, however they want to use him, whether it's in the infield or outfield with VR, uh, just adding a little more depth to that lineup. Um, I kind of like what Toronto's doing here. I think they shot for the moon a little bit on these two deals. Uh, they did use an opener in front of Ray and his debut with the team yesterday. Uh, what are your thoughts on all this? And, and can Stripling rebound a little bit? You know, he had that strong start with the Dodgers, never really recovered. Maybe the Blue Jays tweak his uh, pitch usage? Maybe. I mean, I've, I've kind of thought for the last couple of years that Stripling should have been a full-time starter for the Dodgers, but leave it up to Dave Roberts to keep moving guys between the the bullpen and the rotation and screw them up. Um, so I actually like getting Stripling better than I like them getting Robbie Ray, who mm-hmm. pitched 31 innings for the Diamondbacks this year, walked 31 guys, and allowed 31 hits. So for those keeping track at home, that's a whip of two. Um, that's not good. Um, he walks way too many guys. Yes, the strikeout upside is great, but if you're walking as many dudes as you strike out, it doesn't, the strikeouts don't matter. So, um, it would be interesting to see if maybe the switch, um, of, you know, locations helps Ray a little bit. 
but I really like them getting Jonathan VR because I think what may happen here when Bo Bichette gets back is you may see them switch Vlad Jr. to first base at that point because VR can play third base. They've played him at third base uh, before yeah. in his last couple of stops. So that so, might be... So Bichette coming back could be the end of Travis Shaw? In, I mean, whose bat do you want in the lineup on a more regular basis? Oh, Travis Shaw's or Vlad Jr.? Shaw's been terrible. No, it's... And, you, and VR's got enough. I mean, they need speed in that lineup, too. I mean, Bichette can steal some bags, but that's really the only the only major speed guy in that lineup. Um, yeah, Bichette's more of a base runner than a burner. Exactly. So I think that's probably what they're thinking, is that when Bichette gets back, you just shift Vlad Jr. to first base so his defense stops killing you at third base. And then VR plays third, and you have... Um, you have that infield. So I, I like I like what the Rays did. Um, the AL East is not as locked up as people believe it to be at this point. So uh, we'll see. Now, um, on the other side of this, uh, Craig Mish did tweet out about how the Marlins really weren't happy about how VR bought into their team and concept and things of that nature. That's why they're willing to move on. And, and he does have an expiring contract. Um, so it made sense. So they actually moved the money from VR and went out and added Starling Marte who homered giving them a win on Tuesday. So, um, you know, I know you and I have both kind of supported Marte in the past. Uh, now he heads down to Miami. They did move in the fences in center and right center. So it should help him a little bit. Um, you know, but, but now I think the Marlins, I think they keep him next year at the 12 and a half million. I mean, that's not egregious at all for a starting center fielder. Yeah, no, and they've basically already come out and said that ownership is fine with that money and they're all for the option, and that's in fact why they felt so comfortable making the deal is that you get a starting center fielder for $12.5 million and a guy who can be a top-of-the-order hitter for you because let's face it, their other options in the outfield haven't been all that convincing yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I'm... Perfectly fine with uh, this move. And for those wondering about how they're covering Jonathan VR's spot, well, Isan Diaz is coming back. Mm-hmm. So second base right. is fine. They also uh, called up. He's uh, able to opt in, and they've got John right. Birdie. And then your favorite, Jazz Chisholm, yep. is up on the roster right now. We don't know if he'll stick or not, but at least you get a little sneak preview as to what he could possibly do yeah, next I year, mean, right? Yeah, I mean, and I'm – about three quarters of the way through my prospect report uh, right now, which will be out Wednesday, along with an update to the top 300 prospect list on uh, Fantasy Alarm. So um, I was just writing about Jazz Chisholm, and basically I think his his upside is what he accomplished in 2018. Now, keep in mind that I know the stat line, you can't take it like and compare because it, it happened at A-ball, but I'm just saying – this is a baseline is what the best you can see out of Chisholm is, which was he hit 272 uh, with 25 homers, 23 doubles, 79 runs, 70 RBI, 17 steals, and then the 272 average. So um, his hit tool is never going to be great. He's got a lot of swing and miss there. He did hit 220 last year, uh, but hit 21 home runs. So, um, He's got a nice pop and speed combination. He does have to work on his plate discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, But he'll probably be about a 260 hitter 
uh, and has a shot of going 2015 for you while playing middle infield. So that that's not you know that's not bad fantasy upside there from Jazz Chisholm. It's not. It just thinks that there's so many shortstops right now. <laughs> well, they, you gonna... can play second base. <laughs> but I mean, they have Isan Diaz, so I, I don't know. Well, I just mean in fantasy, just it's such yeah. a flush position right now. Well, it's oh, kind of crazy. Yeah, it's deep, and that doesn't even include that doesn't even include top guys that haven't even come up yet. Yeah. That, like we're, like Wander Franco's a shortstop. Guys, the top prospect in all of baseball. Uh, I've got five shortstops in the top twenty-two of my top three hundred. By the way, just so we're just so we're clear on how, and that includes Carter Keboom, who's currently kind of not playing shortstop for the Nationals. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you've got Wander Franco's coming up. Marco Luciano will be up in a few years for the uh, Giants. C.J. Abrams is it shortstop for the uh, Padres right now, though they probably will likely move him to second, I'm assuming, because Fernando Tatis isn't moving anywhere. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. for the Royals. I mean, it's just in St. Royce Lewis for the Twins. It's just nuts how deep shortstop is. So if you're going into your fantasy drafts next year, don't sweat shortstop. It's so deep. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and don't sweat young Rockies because they just won't they don't play, play these people. They, they, after we threw them under the bus last week at the trade deadline, they added Kevin Pillar to take playing time away from Sam Hilliard. Um, I, I, he's hitting fifth today against a right-hander. So it looks like Colorado's committed I mean, if you own Pilar, that's a that's a nice little. He was killing the ball in Fenway, and now he has the core. So if nothing else, you've got a home stream uh, with some upside when he faces a southpaw, which there are a bunch in the in the Western Division he can possibly face. So, you know, uh, luckily the good news on Rogers, they said it's not a serious injury. He just jammed his shoulder sliding in. Uh, nothing to get too nutsy about. And then the Rockies did add Michael Givens, looking for some reliability out of that bullpen, although uh, Givens does have a propensity to issue walks at times. So we'll see how all that plays out up there. But they don't need him to close, or they looks like they've settled in on Daniel Bard in that role. Uh, the Diamondbacks, they were looking for pitching help, obviously. And, and there's a chance next year that three-fifths, of the Diamondbacks major league rotation will be former Marlins minor league prospects with Zach Gallen and a newly acquired Caleb Smith and Humberto Mejia. And they also got uh, a prospect Julio free as a left-handed pitcher in the minors. They picked up Josh Van Meter and that red steel. And you already spoke about Stuart Fairchild. So um, is Smith the matter of health or is he sort of like a cheap Robbie Ray? Uh, I think it's a matter of health. I think he won't walk as many guys as Robbie Ray uh, does, but has close to the same strikeout potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like that move. Obviously, last year at the deadline, they moved Zach Gallen straight up for Jazz Chisholm. Um, and that's pretty well worked out for both teams really, really right. nicely. Um, you know, so I, I do, I do like these moves. Uh, that they've made, because frankly, the Diamondbacks weren't going anywhere. They're not going to compete anytime soon in that division, not with, you know, the Rockies are still formidable. The Dodgers and Padres are clearly not going anywhere for a while, and the Diamondbacks didn't have a farm system that, that they could rely upon. So, um, so, you know, they didn't get huge names here, but they did get some some usable pieces. 
Yes. Yeah. It's, it, you know, and like I said, if, if you've got 60% of your rotation at low cost for next year, that, that helps them address other needs that they decide to do it. But their, their bullpen is a tire fire right now. I, people are asking me who might close. I said, it might be junior Guerra. Uh, Kevin Ginkle has actually pitched better of late. His last seven games have been scoreless. Um, but I mean, trying to hold the lead for that team, poor Zach Gallon. not only does he have a tough schedule the rest of the way, but now he has nobody to close out those games. So unless he's throwing a complete game, it's going to be difficult for him to mine wins in those situations. Um, yeah. Got a couple more here to go through Seattle. They, they received a bunch of guys like the Indians uh, in a trade with the Padres. I think for fantasy purposes, people are curious to see what Ty France can do with at least a clear path to playing time. Uh, Lewis Torrens, the catcher, Taylor Trammell becomes a part of a potentially very athletic young outfield in Seattle oh, yeah. with, with <laughs> Kyle Lewis and, and Kellenic and, and Rodriguez, who we, we spoke about two thirds of that last week. And then they also got their closer of the future in this deal. If Andres Munoz rehabs well from Tommy John, uh, he should be closing games after the first month or two next year, correct? Yeah. I mean, uh, several people thought um, he was going to be the Padres closer. In the yeah, that he was going to be the Padres closer in the future. And I've talked to several people who are in dynasty leagues who were like, yeah, I had him because I thought he was going to be the Padres closer. And I'm like, well, he's still going to be the Mariners closer, which is probably actually better because they're not going to blow people out like the Padres. Will. Um, you actually might get more safe chances out of him now moving to Seattle uh, than than in San Diego. So, but yeah, Taylor Trammell's a really interesting piece here. Um, he's been moved a couple of times now, um, but yeah, the guy is really athletic. Um, his speed is his top. It, you know, he's a speed hit guy with some nice power that's coming from the left side. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a scary good Mariners outfield in about two years with Jared Kalenic, Julio Rodriguez, and Taylor Trammell. Um, and oh, by the way, you have Kyle Lewis. That not nah, he can just DH. You know. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's a scary good situation for Seattle. So yes, Jerry Depoto makes trades like his life depends on it because in fact last year he was in the hospital and made trades while he was from his hospital bed. Um, but he knows what he's doing. Because he's rebuilding that team really, really nicely. Yeah, it'll be curious to see how all that plays out. Uh, the Mets did a couple of late, late moves. They picked up Miguel Castro, uh, an emerging reliever from the Orioles, who I thought might take over as their closer when they removed Solcer from the role. But um, he hits out to New York to, to hopefully bolster that bullpen a little bit and, and, and fill in if they need it for Edwin Diaz. Uh, Robson Trinos, the catcher, he, he'll make for a nice combo behind the plate. He's a defense-first guy, but he can run into a fastball every now and again, and they, and they reacquire Todd Frazier in that deal. And, and all of this coincides with the sudden rebirth of Robinson Cano. Um, can the Mets make any noise out there? I mean, it looks like your your Nats are raising the white flag. I mean, Oh, my Nats are... Who, who, who can finish second? In, who's going to finish second in this division? Is it the Marlins? Is it the Phillies? Or is it the Mets? I mean, that's going to be a three-way battle to get that guaranteed spot. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> Talent-wise, you'd probably have to give it to the Phillies. Mm-hmm. But, you know, heart-wise, you know, the, the Marlins are going for it. They're clearly going for it. They went and acquired, you know, Starling They're scrappy. Marquette. Yeah, they are scrappy for sure. And um, the Mets, you can't count them out. They got the best pitcher in baseball in Jacob DeGrom. 
Um, who right. they no, apparently no one wants can't to win face. For. No one wants to face the Grom twice in a short series. Yeah, uh, they apparently can't win for him though because he had like fourteen. <laughs> he's had fourteen appearances over the last three yeah, years I, of seven I, or more innings pitched and one or fewer run allowed, and yeah. he's got like no wins in those appearances. Correct. Um, that's the that's more than twice the next closest guy in baseball. So if he had half of those wins, no one would have been talking about him or Cole as the first pitcher this year. Right. Exactly. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that I trust Todd Frazier cause he's going to hit like a buck 80, but he might hit eight home runs. Um, Cano, we'll see if it's actually him or if it's something else that's causing like this, Rebirth. I don't know exactly <laughs> how he's figured this out. Another um, random steroid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't want to. Yeah, I know you don't want to speculate and stuff like no. that. But it's uh, Castro's he, a he decent move. Castro's a decent move. I don't really fully get the Robinson Torino's move, frankly. Um, yeah, you never know with the Mets. I like I said, I know he's a defense first I mean, catcher and maybe help handle the staff. I don't know. And then BBW is in hot innings. water and there's questions if he's going to come back next year. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just it's, kind of a disaster that they might luck their way into the playoffs at this point. All right. So we had a few big teams kind of remain quiet at the deadline, including the Yankees, the Braves added Tommy Malone, but I don't really consider that a big uh, acquisition. Nope. The Brewers didn't do anything. The Dodgers were eerily quiet, but they made their big move getting Mookie Betts before the season. Um, and trading Stripling allows Tony Gonsolin to stay in the rotation. Uh, the Rays didn't do much besides picking up Cody Reed, who was DFA'd by the Reds to eat up some innings when they need it. And the Twins really didn't do anything, but of course, they've got a pile of guys on the IL. They got two of them back in Buxton and Michael Pineda last night. So, uh, you know, did, did any of these teams really get hurt the most by not doing anything? For me, it would probably be Milwaukee, but I don't think they really had anything prospect-wise to go out and get anything anyways, right? Yeah, they don't have prospects. Um, it's basically the same thing as the Nats. Like, the Nats came out and said, yeah, we didn't make any moves. We were talking to people, and, like, you know, we couldn't make anything happen. I'm like, yeah, because you don't have any prospects. And you're not trading anybody on your on your active roster to yeah. go fill a hole that you need, so that doesn't work. So the Brewers are in basically the same spot. Like they don't have prospects. Um, they traded whichever ones they had last year to go get some bullpen. Um, what the Brewers need is Christian Yelich to find his bat. Yeah, like, that's that's been like just hitting crazy below two hundred is insane. Like in OPS league, you may not be realizing it because he's hit like seven or eight home runs and he's still walking, but his batting average is less than two hundred. Like yeah, I took him number one overall in my twenty team home league because I didn't want to take Trout because I wasn't sure about Trout, and now that's clearly the dumbest decision on the planet. Like, <laughs> yeah, like this, and Acuna has been injured, so it's like yeah. right. Uh, the Dodgers yeah, the, are fine because it's only them and the Padres in the NL West. Uh, the Rays are going to make the playoffs because it's either them or the Yankees are going to win the AL East. And the other one is going to finish second. The Yankees have guys that are getting back from the IL. It will help. Um, the Braves have Acuna that's back, sort of, kind of. 
Yeah, Albies has been slow getting back too. Um, yeah, Albies is kind of just starting back. to swing a bat. But my problem is, what exactly was the asking price for Lance Lynn? Well, yeah, the 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 Rangers beat writer was actually very critical, saying that the Rangers are going to get blasted for not trading Lynn or Gallo at this deadline. He's right. he said they it, might be able to get stuff for him at the end of the season, but uh, you, to me, I, I think the lost opportunity the here was trading Hater. If I was Milwaukee, I would have traded Hater for a couple of stud prospects. Yep. I think it was time. I mean, he's entering arbitration, and you're going nowhere this year, and probably next year as well. I mean, you missed the perfect opportunity yep. to put a top reliever on the market, and he's his walk rate's been up this year, and his velocity's a little bit down. I don't know. I he added this slider, but the, you know he's throwing it's a mile per hour sliding. lower than last year, and he's just not been as effective. Even his yeah. save the other day against the Pirates, he did not record a strikeout. Nope. He, he just so yeah, that's a missed opportunity. But I'm just wondering, like the Dodgers have one of the deepest prospect like systems in baseball. They needed a they need a starter because you got Bueller on the IL with blisters. Well, he's supposed to be coming back today. Yeah, I'm, we'll see. Maybe he's. Maybe he's turned into Rich Hill. Maybe, like, I hope not because I have him in my home league when when we continue things next year. Um, but blisters to be, you know, we'll see. Um, but even with Bueller, they have Kershaw and Bueller, right? I mean, then you've yeah, got. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I trust Urias in a playoff Wood. game. Yeah. You've got Urias. You've got Gonsolin, who they don't seem to trust enough to keep up with the team. You've well, he is stuff- now. He is because they 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 need him. But as good as the Dodgers are, you're looking at a third game of like a Urias May combo. Right. And that's I mean uh, sketchy. Like you said, if you're facing the Reds against Castillo, mm. I mean no Castillo is winless this year, but he's better than he's shown. Yeah. Um so that's that's pretty surprising. I mean, I know that they're winning it over a seven hundred clip right now, but they don't really have any pitching. Like they're doing it with offense. Um, Although so, they just lost Justin Turner to the IL. Yeah, but I mean, I'm but less he hasn't been great about, this year. Yeah, I'm it's less been about Betts and everyone else up there, and Bellinger is yeah. starting to heat up. And Bellinger and and um, you know Muncy is pretty good. They got they called uh, Gavin Lux back. Yeah, who's pretty good. Um, you know they, they can piece together their offense. That's not what concerns me. Their starting pitching is not good. Yeah. All right. We got a rapid fire through some prospects. I got uh, a guy or two from a couple of teams just for you to talk about fast. And then we'll wrap this puppy up. And then I got to go get the DFS playbook done here. So uh, the Red Sox, they called up Bobby Dahlbeck. We did not speak about him last week. He homered in his first game, but then went over on Tuesday. Uh, What can we expect? And is he worth a 15 team ad? He's worth a 15-team ad. He'll get some playing time in that offense uh, for sure now that they've moved Pilar and Moreland. They've got some spots there. Um, where exactly he'll play defensively? Probably second base, but maybe some first. Um, I like his pop, especially off the green monster. I'd expect a fair amount of doubles from him, but he's an intriguing bat for sure. Okay. And, and we did speak a little bit about Jazz Chisholm, so I don't think yep. we have to go back over him. Uh, the Pirates did finally promote Cabrian Hayes. Uh, he doubled and homered in his debut on Tuesday night. Um, and then they also uh, recalled Anthony Alford, who they picked off off of waivers from the Blue Jays. Uh, so 
what can we expect from Hayes and is Alford's speed enough to entice people in deeper leagues or will he not be able to hit enough to justify it? He's never really been able to hit enough to justify it, which is why the Blue Jays had so much trouble keeping him up on their roster. Uh, I really do like Cabrian Hayes. He's First of all, his defense will keep him on the field. He's an immediate gold glove caliber defender at third base. Um, he's got developing pop. Uh, the speed is pretty intriguing there, too, because he can steal you 10 to 12 bags from third base, and his, and his hit tool is a plus hit tool. So uh, he's a really intriguing third baseman. Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to keep it. I, I don't know if I have enough money to get him into TGFBI, but I could use a little corner infield help. I've had Josh Donaldson out forever. I always keep saying he's almost back. He did play a five-inning sim game the other day, but I still haven't seen him. Uh, Arizona did promote Josh Rojas. Uh, and they're talking about putting Kettle Marte back in center field a little bit. So will this open up an avenue of playing time for Rojas? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, clearly they're going to have to move somebody into center field because they don't have Starling Marte out there anymore. Um, but, I mean, there's nothing really all that shiny about Rojas, in my opinion. I mean, he's a solid baseball player, but there's no, like, one tool that, you know, you can look to and go, oh, yeah, that's a must-have tool. It's, you know, he's, he's a solid, solid player. Uh, the Yankees, they brought up Davey Garcia's, made a very nice uh, debut with the team with Eric Kratz catching, kind of getting him through that, calling a strong game. Uh, he's going to start a game in the doubleheader, I believe, on Friday. Uh, will he be able to pitch his way to staying here, or how are the Yankees looking to handle him? Yeah, I think he stays um, either in the rotation or as a just killer bullpen arm. Um, he made some waves in 2018 when he was striking out the world, um, you know, and, and putting up very minuscule ratios. Uh, then he kind of got hit around a little bit in AAA last year as he as he adjusted. Um, and his hits and home runs allowed doubled despite only pitching half again as many innings. Uh in 2019 as he did in 2018. So uh, the stuff is really, really nice as we saw in his, in his debut. The problem he has is that he's like five foot six and 163 pounds. So Pedro Martinez loves him because of that. Yeah. But Pedro Martinez is still like four inches taller than, than Diego Garcia. Um, So he's either going to, if he can continue to pitch six innings, he'll be like a number four starter for the Yankees. If he doesn't, he'll be a high leverage bullpen guy. Interesting. And then um, I think we talked a little bit about Ian Anderson last week, but he's had two solid outings for the Braves. Is he going to be their second starter in the playoffs? I think so. I mean, you want to tell me who else they have? I don't... <laughs> well, they can't pitch Max Freed every day. so Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, you know, obviously Soroka's gone for the year with that torn, uh, you know, ruptured Achilles. Um so, yeah, I don't see why they wouldn't pitch Ian Anderson as their number two starter. The guy's got number two starter stuff. Uh, he's really quite good. I've always thought he was the most underrated pitching prospect in their system, um, even going back to when they had Soroka and Freed and uh, a couple of other guys that they've since dealt, um, you know, like Colby Allard and, and a few others. So I really do like Ian Anderson that much. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, all right, well. 
once again, Matt, thank you for, for stepping up and covering all the prospect stuff and taking a little time out of your day. Um, I, I hope you guys heard the intro. Matt is working on his top 300 revised after the trade deadline and, and updating some of the, uh, the systems to give you guys all the best information that he can. Uh, if you're not following him on the Twitter machine, it's at the salesman, S-E-L-Z, M-A-N on Twitter, and he also is the two-time defending uh, NASCAR Writer Award, so doing all of our stuff over there with Dan Malin. So uh, besides the prospect pieces, anything else the folks should be looking for? Um, so, yeah, we got the prospect piece coming out uh, today, which is Wednesday. We're recording this Wednesday early afternoon Eastern time. Um, also, I have the full bevy of NASCAR content coming out this weekend, so track breakdown probably coming out on Thursday. Podcast with me and Dan Malin and a special guest uh, coming out Thursday. Um, DFS rankings for that. Projections will be out Friday, playbook Saturday. Uh, I've also got the pitching coach on Thursday for MLB DFS. Um, and then football starting up. So, guys, don't forget, if you need draft help this weekend, uh, Fantasy Alarm has a draft party going on Saturday, oh. 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern. We will have a live chat on our homepage where you just hop in, ask a question. We have all of our uh, folks answering questions. So if you're drafting right then and you, you're torn between a couple of guys, hop in, ask the question. We'll give you the pick. Um, so, yep, yeah. and I, and- and I know uh, Annie Spiteri still running the mock draft army yep. right up through the weekend. So if you're looking for we have, uh, brand draft new NFL tools. people who actually are in a draft, hop into one of those. We have brand new NFL tools that are launching Saturday uh, as well. So there'll be nice, sleek, new looking tools. Nice. Um, Look at cells dropping all the teasers. Yeah, there's there's plenty of stuff coming on uh, here for Fantasy Alarm. That's good to hear. So um, I broke down the trade deadline stuff uh, on my shortened season strategy thing. We moved it to Tuesday to accommodate the trade deadline. There's some charts of guys in their new parks with some fancy thoughts on the people, including like the ones we touched upon with Clevenger here. That is up live on the site. I have the playbook today and Friday. I have the hitting coach, I believe, on Thursday and Saturday. So always keeping it busy here with Fancy Alarm. So again, thank you so much for uh, dropping on, Matt, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon. So Fancy Alarm family, stay safe and be well out there. And until next time, we are out.